Did you see my new thumbnail and logo? It's cool, right? It's made for me by Ernest Studio. Because brand logo and design is everything. Ernest Studio is a professional graphic designer that can help your business, your podcast, your event, your product be visually appealing in social media. Look for him in Facebook at facebook.com slash Graphics to contact him or just check out his portfolio. That's E-R-N-E-S-T-U-D-I-O-G-R-A-P-H-I-X. Looking for great Catholic books in the Philippines? Check out Dumb Ox Books. Dumb Ox Books is an online Catholic bookstore that offers a wide selection of curated Catholic books from apologetics to the saints to spiritual reading. They have it. Check out their website at dumboxbooks.com.ph. You may also check their Facebook page, facebook.com slash dumboxbooks. D-U-M-B-O-X-B-O-O-K-S. In 2012, the reproductive health law was passed in our country. So there's nothing left to do but use contraception, right? Wrong. Jason Everett is here to tell us that chastity is the best option. Welcome to the Jay Aruga Show. What's up? Welcome to the Jay Aruga Show. A few weeks ago, I talked about how our schools, they are now teaching our kids sex education and at the same time, they promote contraceptives for birth control and the prevention of sexually transmitted disease. Today, we are joined by who I think is the best chastity speaker on the planet. I say he's the best because... He got the domain for chastity.com. So how cool is that? So he's a Catholic author. He founded Totus to Express and the Chastity Project, a ministry with his wife, Kristalina, host of Lost is Boring podcast. Please welcome Jason Everett. Jason, kamusta? Oh, malaming salamat. Thank you for having me on. Kamusta na kayo? Oh, you know you're Tagalog. <laughs> how are you doing? Good, good. It's it's a blessing to be on the show. Is it still strict there on the lockdowns? Oh, no. I mean, uh, our, our kids have been in school all year. No masks, no mm. social distancing, nothing. Oh. I mean, some schools are still wearing the masks, but you can go in stores now in our state. Nobody's wearing masks anymore. So things are getting back to normal. What, what state are you in? I'm in Arizona. Oh. Yeah, each state is a little different. Mm. Lust is boring. Your podcast is a product of the pandemic, right? It it is because before then I said, you know, I don't really have time to do a podcast because I'm traveling and giving them 150 talks Mm. a year. But then God was like, okay, well, let's just get rid of all the talks. And now you don't have any excuse not to do a podcast. So Mm. uh, we started that up and we've created almost 50 episodes so far. Mm. Um, And then we plan to continue it going even when the speaking, you know, now that it's starting back up. The Lord can really pull out something good from a bad situation. So God bless your podcast. Yeah. Jason, I just learned that you've done talks in the Philippines before. I regret not seeing any of them. So what are your memories of the Philippines? Yeah, no, I've been there, I believe, five different occasions. I've been able to mm. speak in the Philippines. I, what I remember the most is the people. I mean, just how mm. super friendly it is. I, I remember coming into a church once on like a Tuesday morning to go to mass, maybe like seven o'clock in the morning. And there's a group of people coming out of the church. And I, I thought, well, isn't mass about to start? And they're like, oh yeah, but they're finishing the last mass. And I'm like, well, how many masses do you guys have on a weekday? And they said, our parish about eight of them. I'm like, you got eight masses a day on a weekday at this parish. And then we go to the adoration and it's full of people. Nobody's wearing shoes. They're all just super reverent and prayerful and you know, to me, it was just such an inspiration. The simplicity of the faith of the people is so rich. So I, I love the, the depth of the Catholic culture throughout the Philippines. Yeah. For the sake of the audience who don't know you yet, please tell a little something about yourself and how you get to what you're doing. Yeah, well, um, I run, as you said, the website chastity.com with the ministry, Ch- the Chastity Project. And for the last 23 years or so, I've been traveling around the world talking about God's plan for human love, 
especially through the lens of St. John Paul II, to help bring clarity in this culture that so easily confuses love with lust. What does it even mean to be male or female? What's marriage? And so just navigating through all this tough stuff to help people find real love. With everything that you talk about, is there a threat of you being canceled these days for the stuff that you talk about? Because sometimes you, you talk about gender, yeah. right? And, and that's what get, gets people, a lot of people canceled these days. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't know how long we'll have a YouTube channel. I know our Facebook, our Facebook profile, we have, we're getting like tens of thousands of people every single year. And then about 5,000 or five years ago, it just stopped. Ooh. And we haven't gained any more followers in like five years. And so something's up there. Mm. Um, and then we, we have had presentations canceled, uh, entire trips canceled oh. of you know, people saying, nope, we can't have that message you know, here. We're, we're too inclusive. So we mm. need to exclude you. So. Mm. Let me tell you the status of our country. So in 2012, the reproductive health law was passed despite many oppositions from the church. This was a bill that gives free access to modern contraceptives and promotes sex education in schools. Its proponents are framing it as something we need to do to prevent unwanted pregnancies, especially for teenagers. They also packaged the bill as a women's empowerment initiative. Although we don't have legal abortions in the country yet, those who oppose the law, which is us, we think it will give the precedent for abortion. And we know how mm -hmm. the contraceptive mentality worked in the West. So at the root of this, of all of this, if we take a step back, I believe we have a problem in chastity. That's why I invited you, Jason. So that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, those public policies here in America have been disastrous. Mm -hmm. So the very fact that we're exporting it and encouraging it and tying it to foreign aid I mean, it's, it's ideological colonization is what Pope Francis called it. We're trying to export our broken Western values on cultures that are already doing a lot better than we are in terms of divorce, abortion, premarital sex. I remember there was a study done that the first cases of HIV came out in Singapore and the Philippines in, at the same time, I think like 1984 or something. Mm. And uh, the Singapore you know, government said, oh, we got to teach safe sex. Mm. And their rates of HIV went through the roof the Philippine government, more conservative and Catholic, like, no, we just got to teach people self-control. Um, and they said the scientists were so puzzled and astonished because they said, you know, the, the Philippine HIV rate is so astronomically low, yet the contraceptive rate is incredibly low. How can that be? It's a complete mystery. Like, it's really not a mystery, not only when it comes to STDs, because the number one determining factor of whether or not you're going to get a sexually transmitted disease is the number of lifetime sexual partners. And so if you're just passing out a bunch of contraceptives saying, hey, if you use this, you're safe, you're protected, you're responsible, you're mature, these kids are gonna have a false sense of security and you will have more people than ever engaging in sexual acts who don't expect to get pregnant. And then when they do get pregnant, it's like, uh-oh, I saw one birth control advertisement that called pregnancy the mother of all nightmares. And if that's the case, if pregnancy is like this disease, well, then abortion must be the cure. And so if you promote contraception, you will be forced into abortion within a few years because it's going to create all these unwanted pregnancies. And in fact, Planned Parenthood is the biggest provider of abortion here in America, said the majority of abortions are not caused by, by the failure to use contraceptives, but by the failure of contraceptives themselves. That's the biggest promoter of abortion is openly admitting it. Oh. Most of these are not being caused because they didn't use contraception, but because the contraceptives failed. And now they use abortion as a backup method of birth control. And so the Filipinos, please hold on to your values and please teach those to the rest of the world instead of ingesting our garbage that's only going to infect your culture with the nonsense over here. Thanks for that, Jason. Because at the heart of the conversation, all they want actually is to lower the teenage pregnancies, A, and B, to prevent STDs, and C, to prevent overpopulation. So it all seems good intentions, but you know what they say about what paves the road to hell. So I think this is where we'll focus on. So let's talk about contraception first, Jason. Mm -hmm. So we were criticized 
that we opposed the bill when it was being deliberated, they say, you guys are against contraception only because your church said so. So please don't force your religious beliefs on our laws. So what's wrong with using contraception for birth control? Are, are there non-religious reasons, Jason, on this? Yeah, in fact, there's more and more people who do not, do not profess any particular religious beliefs who are turning away from contraceptives on towards natural methods of mm. family planning. Because for one, you don't have to worry about all the side effects of mm. like the breast cancer, it's linked to birth control, or birth control is linked to breast cancer. I mean, you look at the side effects of this stuff. And when a woman takes the birth control pill, mm. her body will experience more than 150 physiological changes. And the birth control pill itself is an abortifacient drug. And what I mean by that is it's got different mechanisms to prevent pregnancy. One is it can thicken the cervical mucus. It can also obviously, you know, inhibit ovulation, but then it also has another mechanism where if you do get pregnant on the pill, it'll thin out the lining of your uterus called your endometrium. So when the baby tries to implant in the uterine wall, it's too thin to offer the nourishment and the baby's aborted when he's about a week old before you even knew you're pregnant. And so the majority of abortions are not surgical. The majority of abortions today are through chemical contraception and women are not being given informed consent when it comes to this stuff. Mm. They're told, oh, well, this prevents pregnancy. What if the Filipinos realize, well, wait a minute, this is, could, could cause an abortion. Women need to be informed. And if they knew the facts, they wouldn't want this junk in their bodies. And so it's not about, you know, that Catholics imposing their morality on those who are not. It's like, look, what is the best approach for our society? And has this contraceptive mentality really delivered on all its promises to reduce abortions? No, we've got like 60 million abortions over here after contraception. Has it decreased the rates of sexually transmitted disease? No, it's been like putting gasoline on a fire because the most common sexually transmitted disease is called HPV, human papillomavirus. It, it's killed more women than AIDS has because it can cause cervical cancer and the condom is not effective in preventing its transmission. And so you have the benefit of this information that maybe the Americans didn't 15, 20 years ago and they thought it was a great idea. Use this information and realize this is not what we want in terms of protecting our young people or the future of the Philippines. Yeah, we don't need to experiment on our people anymore because that experiment was already done somewhere else we just need to see the literature the vast literature yeah. on this mm -hmm. yeah and, and look at us like please look at america look very clearly they did a survey of college students in america how many college women have human papillomavirus 45 mm. percent that's essentially every other girl at a university in america is currently infected with hpv you want that Pass out a bunch of condoms and tell people to be safe sex, and you're going to be there in less than a decade. Mm. You know, so trust me, it ain't working over here, and it's not going to work there. I heard your talk on green sex. That's one of my favorite talks. When I listened to it, it's so long ago. You you only have four kids then when you gave that talk. Now you have eight. Yeah. Right. So it's so long ago. Are these these side effects? You mentioned a lot of side effects of the pill on Depo Provera, mm -hmm. on Implanon, on that talk. And I urge the listeners to, to listen to that talk. It's a very good talk. Are these side effects still true until now? Did they attempt to improve at least these contraceptives all these years? Or are the cases and lawsuits piling up? Well, what happens is, is, is as the lawsuits pile up, they just create more forms of contraception. Oh, we'll just get rid of that one. We'll create this this one. Well, what are the long-term side effects of that one? Well, we don't know, but we'll find out in 10 years. Oh, lots of lawsuits. Let's create this new one. And so there's this constantly replenishing market of new contraceptive devices and drugs and pills, but read the side effects on this stuff. I mean, everything coming out has this laundry list of fine print of all the potential side effects. Mm. And they'll say, oh, but it's rare, it's healthy, it's safe. Mm. I remember one dad came up to me and he said, thank you for talking about this stuff. He said, my daughter uh, was having a birthday party at our house and her friend was swimming in the pool and all of a sudden she died. And Ooh. it was like this perfectly healthy 16 year old girl. And what, what was it? It was a blood clot. Well, what's a 16 year old girl dying from a blood clot? Well. 
the birth control pill has enhanced levels of estrogen, which contributes to the clotting of blood. Mm. The doctors studied there, and sure enough, that's what it is. 16-year-old girl, perfectly healthy, died from taking contraceptives. You don't see that stuff in the headlines, mm. but it's going on, and these parents are suing these companies by the hundreds of millions of dollars. But guess what? This is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and so they can afford, you know, a death here, a death there. Mm. They can pay those things off. The investors won't get too worried. And that explains why all these side effects are not that well known, because with all that you mentioned, it should be like general knowledge at this point, like the pill. I heard some guys from the radio telling people to use the pill because it has like advantages on the skin. It it enlarges your your breast. But are are these true or? or yeah, well, let's let, let's hit the pause button there. I mean, is the is the uh, birth control gonna pill enhance the size of your breast? It's gonna enhance the size of everything on your body. It's mm. called weight gain, and it's what you go through when mm. you're pregnant. Why would the pill cause that? Mm. I thought it prevents pregnancy. No, no, no. The birth control is synthetic pregnancy hormones. Mm. You put it in your mouth, it goes to your stomach, it dissolves, it enters your bloodstream. The synthetic sex hormones go from your bloodstream to your brain. Mm. They tell your pituitary gland, you are pregnant. Your brain then tells your ovaries, well, you're pregnant, so you don't need to release any eggs. And so for the next three weeks or so, you think you're pregnant. But then guess what happens? Then the birth control pills shift to what are called blank, she blank sugar or placebo pills. There's no sex hormones in those. And so your brain thinks, oh, wait a minute, I'm not pregnant. I guess I had a miscarriage. So you bleed for a week and you think, oh, it's, it's my cycle back. That's not your cycle. And then it kicks back onto the synthetic sex hormones. That's called the withdrawal bleed. You're withdrawing from the hormones of pregnancy. And so if you're on the pill, your brain literally thinks you're pregnant 12 times a year and you're essentially like having 12 miscarriages a year, maybe not in reality, but that's what your brain is thinking because you're going on and off pregnancy hormones on a cyclical basis monthly. This is not regulating your cycle. This is dysregulating everything. That's why you're having weight gain, mood swings, hair loss, depression, all this is stuff is because these are common symptoms that happen with pregnancy. And that's what the pill is mimicking in your brain. Hmm. How about Depo-Provera? What are the side effects of these? <laughs> Depo-Provera. In America, they won't even give it to dogs. Veterinarians oh. refuse to. They said, that is not safe enough for my house pet. Well, let's give it to those girls. In fact, <laughs> it's now being used as an injection yeah, to yeah. child sex offenders. As basically rapists and child molesters, they're punishing them with Depo-Provera in prison to reduce their desire for sex because a decreased libido is one of the side effects of Depo-Provera. But it also thins out your bones through osteoporosis. So in America, we have 20-year-old girls now who have the bones of a 60-year-old woman in their body because they took Depo for too many years as a teenager. I mean, we're talking about perfectly healthy college girls getting hip replacement surgeries like your great grandma because the, the, the bones, the adolescent years are critical time of development of your bone structure. But what's happening is it's being deprived of all these essential nutrients and, and minerals for bone development. And what they're finding is that you can't undo this stuff. You can't you know, get these benefits later in life. That was the time in life where your bones were supposed to be solidifying and you shortcut the whole process by putting all this stuff in your body. And so it's like, not my body. That's why you notice birth control shot for guys because they have it. They don't market it because guys aren't going to take it. Put it in your body if you want to get <laughs> pregnant. It's a completely sexist industry. Ooh. I find the argument against the contraceptive pill and the injectables or anything you do to modify your bodily functions compelling, especially with the name of our law, reproductive health law. So it's easy to show people that the name itself is counterintuitive because what does a healthy reproduction mean for a girl? It's like regular cycles. And if yeah. you treat like pregnancy, like a disease or your regular cycles, like a disease, it wouldn't bid well for you. So yeah, it shouldn't be called reproductive health. It needs to be called like unhealthy sterility because <laughs> that's really what they're promoting. Yeah. They're, not producing, they're not promoting reproduction or health, but they're calling it that. I mean, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's a misnomer. The law is a misnomer. However, yeah. with the barrier method, you, you touch on this a little bit, but can you tell us some secular arguments against 
condom. Yeah, this, this one's really neat uh, because, you know, people are like, oh, well, okay, well, fine. Okay, the hormones are bad and this is yeah, bad. But yeah. What about a barrier method of contraception? What could be so bad about that? Mm. Well, you know, it used to believe, be believed that, you know, you learn, you know, when you're 13 years old in biology class, one sperm gets a girl pregnant. Mm. Okay, mm. well, what happens the other hundreds of millions of sperm that are introduced into a woman through one act of intercourse? Well, it used to be believed that they didn't really serve any purpose if it wasn't successful in fertilizing the ovum. They said that's not actually true. Um, seminal fluid contains dozens of biological ingredients. After intercourse, what will happen is the woman's immune system will send white blood cells to scour the surface of the cervix, mm. taking the man's sperm proteins and DNA to mm. her lymph nodes, where her immune system will gradually learn to recognize the specific type of antigens on that man's semen, because this is a foreign body within her body, but her immune system will develop a gradual tolerance to that. So if eventually she does become pregnant with that man's child, her immune system will match the genetic type of baby to the sperm that it absorbed into her body, and it actually makes for an easier pregnancy. Now, however, women who are deprived of this seminal nourishment by means of a barrier method of contraception, they found are more than twice as likely to suffer preeclampsia mm. during childbirth. This is an elevated risk of blood pressure, and it's dangerous to expect in moms, and you're more than twice as likely to get that if been, you've been using a barrier method of contraception. And this was in the Journal of the American Medical Association and other journals. In fact, I think I'd mentioned in the Green Sex Talk that I was writing about this in a book I was writing and I had the medical journal next to me and the woman on the airplane leans over and she's like, oh, what are you writing about? I'm like, oh, wow. Um, I said, this is an epidemiologic study of contraception and preeclampsia. And I kind of showed her what it meant. She said, oh, that's really neat. She said, hi, look at that. I'm like, yeah, look at this paragraph, that one. Uh, and she said, this is amazing. She said, you know what? I've been married for 10 years. My husband, she said, I know I just met you, but I feel like I know you so well. And she said, uh, she said, look, we've had three kids. We've used the condom between every kid. She said, every pregnancy I had preeclampsia. How come they didn't just teach this to us in marriage preparation class? And so to me, it's beautiful the way that God has designed a man's body to work with a woman's and to think you can just flip fertility on and off like a light switch. It's just hubris. You know, it's mm -hmm. pure arrogance. And, and, and we're the ones who suffer as a result of thinking that, you know, we're the Lord over creation when God is. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about natural family planning. Mm -hmm. and, and let me read this statement from reproductiverights.org. In their article, when the reproductive health law was passed, they say that roughly 222 million women in developing countries want to avoid pregnancy, rely on traditional means, such as the rhythm method with high failure rates. So what's your take on that? Uh, well, that's probably accurate. They probably are relying on the calendar rhythm method, which does have high failure rates because mm -hmm. the calendar rhythm method is like grandma used to use mm -hmm. where you count a certain number of days after your period to try to guess when ovulation is. You maybe abstain around there and think that's, well, look, that's highly ineffective. That's about a 30% failure rate. That's not natural family planning though. Mm. Natural family planning nowadays is more than 99% effective. Mm. A British medical journal read an article where they were using this in India on poor women and they said they had a pregnancy rate approaching zero. It was an in excess of 99% effective. And so when the, the modern media confuses the outdated calendar rhythm method with natural family planning methods today that are extremely effective in preventing pregnancy, they're also much lower cost when it comes to, you know, the cost of this thing long-term. You don't have to worry about the side effects. You don't have to worry about women in developing nations having breast cancer from the pill. And it's not like they have the money to hire some high power attorney to have some litigation costs against this pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. No, they just die. And that's that. And so this is not in the best interest of the people. And one of the beauties of NFP as well is it's not just about avoiding and postponing pregnancy. You can actually pinpoint when you want to get pregnant, when to get pregnant. And so it's, it can be used in both methods, you know, both ways, whether to achieve pregnancy or postpone it. And then the woman also has in her hands her basically her reproductive health chart. And so if there is something wrong when in a fertility related disease, having your chart, your cycle charted is extremely effective if you show that to a gynecologist who knows what they're looking at. Because the pill at the end of the day is lazy gynecology. Mm. A lot of times when him, women suffer 
polycystic ovarian syndrome, syndrome, endometriosis, ovarian cysts. These things have treatment without recourse to the pill. But a lot of doctors don't want to deal with it. So like, here's your pill. That doctor is treating a symptom. Mm. He's not treating a disease. These things can be taken care of without recourse to the pill. But it's not a sin to be on it for those reasons. But there's more effective and safe ways to take care of those things. I want to share, Jason, that my wife and I only committed to NFP after our second child, and we were able to space our second child and our third child by six years. So it's very effective in spacing births. So aside from that, the one thing I noticed is that my wife and, and I aren't having these big fights anymore since we committed to doing NFP. I mean, the big fights that where we are shouting, blaming each other, furious kinds of fights. It seems like there's some kind of wonder that it has brought to us. Can you yeah, I mean, explain? It... Yeah, why is it that? I I read from a study by Richard Faring and Michael Manhart that couples who use NFP have a significantly lower divorce rate also. Yeah, the, the divorce rate is about 4% or less from couples who use natural family planning. Now, obviously, that's not all causation. That's some correlation as well. And what I mean by that, it's not simply, okay, we use NFP, 96% of couples won't of divorce course, yeah. because they're using NFP. No, all, think of the couples who use NFP. They were probably highly religious, deeply committed to the sacrament of marriage. They know how to practice self-control patience, sacrifice. Well, guess what? Those are also the things you need to have a lasting marriage. So there is, you know, some core, you know, correlation and causation as well, though, mm. because it causes, and I think what you found in your marriage, if anything, the word would be reverence, mm. reverence for your wife, reverence for the gift of sexuality as God created it to be. And I think that reverence kind of spills over, it overflows into other aspects of the marriage. Because if you're having authentic intimacy in the bedroom, that will spread, I think, to the rest of the house. Whereas if the intimacy that you're experiencing in the bedroom is, in a sense, disordered from the way that God has created that to function, I think that disorder will also flow into other parts of the house. And it also works both ways. I mean, if you've got harmony in the kitchen and the laundry room and everywhere else, that harmony will bless the bedroom as well. And so it's not that, you know, use NFP and your marriage is going to be perfect. No, in fact, NFP sometimes can create tension. It can create the opposite of what you guys found where because one spouse might not be on board. And they're like, what? I have to practice self-control? I didn't sign up for that. Mm. And it's bringing up to the surface kind of an immature development of that virtue of chastity that God wants to heal and he wants to work on. It's kind of bringing that up to the surface like oil and water. So it could be messy a little bit, but that's part of the function of marriage. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about overpopulation. So one of the reasons that the pro-RH law people are so into it is because they believe we're too crowded already in this country. But really, if you look at the reasons why our population increased is, one, the life expectancy of the Filipinos from 1960s to today increased by 10 years. Number two, the infant mortality rate decreased. And number three, the maternal mortality rate decreased as well. And one, one would think these reasons are something to celebrate, but no, yeah. <laughs> they thought it's a problem. And I, yeah, I, I yeah. so I know the pandemic might have changed the figures, but before this, is the world heading to a population explosion? No, there was that, yeah. There was that fear by sociologists decades ago because they saw this climb in the demo in the demographics of the, how many people mm. the population. They figure, oh my gosh, this is just going to go on forever and ever and ever. But it was largely caused because of the development of medicine, you know, a decreased infant mortality rate, like you had mentioned. Mm. But these things are not going to just continue going up and up. It's not like okay, we live. 20 years longer now than we did, you know, 20 years from now, we'll be 140. We'll live to be 150, 160 years old. That's not science is saying that that's not going to happen. Likewise, infant mortality rate, you know, maybe it went from like 10% down to 2%. Well, it's not going to go from 2% to, you know, below 0%. I mean, the amount of change that's still left to be happened isn't much. And so what they're saying is sociologists say we're going to see a demographic curve where now a lot of developing countries are seeing a problem of underpopulation because mm. how do you support an economy when you are below your fertility replacement rate? And so and we, what we really need to look at here is the cause of poverty, children, 
No, 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 no. The cause of poverty is not, poverty is not caused by innocent poor children. Poverty is caused by corrupt, corrupt rich politicians, okay? Mm. If you want to reduce the number of anything, reduce the number of corrupt rich politicians if you want to deal with poverty. And so poverty is often caused by ethnic cleansing, an unjust distribution of resources, a lack of education, corruption within the government, not by the presence of children. The poor people know that children are your wealth. The children don't make you poorer. The children are precisely what sustain an economy. Now, if you do need to you know, control population, curb it or whatever, natural family planning could be used if there is a serious reason for doing so. But we're not having a global overpopulation problem. I mean, we're not. Everybody in the world could fit in the state of Texas and have 1,000 square feet to live with, which is more than people have to live with in San Francisco and slightly less than they have to live in the Bronx. And so the problem isn't a lack of space. The problem is not, well, there's not enough food. No, like, for example, United States could feed the entire world if we wanted to. I mean, less than half of the world's ground is being used for farming that we could use without even talking about farming put out of the ocean. The problem is not we don't have enough food. It's not that we're going to run out of fuel and oil and gas. They always thought that was going to happen. That's not happening. And so the real reason is corruption, where we're getting this, this, this poverty from a lack of education, opportunities. And so the children are the answer. They're not the problem. And so the solution is not, like I said, to reduce the number of innocent poor children. The solution is to reduce the number of corrupt rich politicians. I think it's Paul Ehrlich in the 80s or, or uh, earlier that predicted that we'll, we're going to a, his book, The Population Bomb, he said like we're going to a, a point where mass starvation will happen. If the, but it didn't happen. He predicted it yeah, in not- the 80s. Yeah, not only did that not happen, what they're saying now is we are now facing a demographic winter in a lot of Mm. developed countries because, especially in places like Western Europe, people aren't having babies. Like, Mm. I've been to Italy with a baby before, and people were like, a baby, and like everyone was touching my kid, and I'm like, dude, go have your own, okay? And but they're not, in fact. I thought it was great. Who is it? Um, uh, the Russian Prime Minister, President Vladimir Putin. Uh-huh. Um, he realized like this is a serious problem. Like Russians aren't having babies, and so they actually organized like these days off of work for Russian workers, saying, "Look, go home, don't have work, go have babies. If you have a baby nine months from now of this day, you will be entered in to win free cash prizes, a free automobile, free appliances." Like they're literally incentivizing people. Like, look. Go, please have kids. Our economy will be completely unsustainable a generation from now. If we like have this, like, for example, in America, all the social mm. security, where this generation, you know, is retiring off the benefits of the one who came before us. Mm. Well, what if the next generation is half as big as ours? Where are the benefits coming from? And so, no, overpopulation is a complete myth. It takes very little research to dig into it. And obviously, poverty is a serious problem. But I remember when I was in the Philippines, I'll never forget. We spent about a week doing talks and we're heading to the airport mm. and, and we decided we got a little bit of spare time. So can we swing by uh, the cathedral? And so we came by, you know, where the bishops churches and, uh, you know, went in to spend some time in prayer and came out. And there are a bunch of poor people outside of the bishop's residence mm. protesting. And the poor people had signs like and they're marching and they wanted signs like we want abortion. We want birth control. We want contraception. Mm. And I said to the person with me, I'm like, really, like the poor really want these things? And they said, oh, no, odds are they can't even read the sign. Mm. They said these population experts, they said, look, there's one, there's one, there's one. They go into the barrios and the shanty towns and the squatters, and they tell people, go on our march, carry our signs, and we'll give you lunch afterwards. And so all the people are like, all right, whatever. And then they call the media and say, oh, look, come down with your cameras. The poor people are demanding abortion in front of the bishop's residence. That ends up all over TV. The poor people finish their little march, get their lunch, and go back to the being squatters. It's like, hmm. oh, and I couldn't believe it. They're like, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. These are the people organizing it. And they're using the poor as pawns to basically annihilate themselves with these contraceptive mentalities. And so it's a mess. Uh, you know, there in the Philippines, elsewhere, but the answer is not and has never been contraception. Sadly, they got what they want. The, the law has been passed. But what I see here in the Philippines, we're not really overcrowded because there are a lot of land that are not yet tapped 
here in the Philippines. When you go to, when you drive around the highways, both sides, there are a lot of untapped land. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. not that we're overcrowded. Everyone's just going to the cities. I, I think if they, they create livelihood on other provinces where not everyone goes to Manila, I think that would, that's one way to solve the problem. Yeah, and you you mentioned Italy. They're they're already suffering like a negative population growth, even before mm-hmm. the pandemic, yeah. and they're one of the hardest hitted by the pandemic. They they at the beginning of the pandemic, they 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 had a lot of deaths, and I was like sad for them. How how would they like recover? They already have a negative population growth. Yeah, yeah, and, and we gotta understand like. Children are, are not the cause of poverty. Like children are our wealth. Ch- mm. Children are the, the, the treasure of the Philippines. You know, and so to think that you're going to become wealthier as a nation by having fewer of them, I mean, it, it's nuts. It's not working anywhere. And so I beg you, like, as a country, like, do not implement foreign policies that have been disastrous in all these other countries. There's other ways to curb the problem of poverty than reducing the number of kids who have to experience it. To me, I mean, yeah, if a mother in a poor situation doesn't wish to have more kids right now because of the financial state of the family, teach her natural family planning. Like Mother Teresa taught the poor people in India. She was teaching the Hindus and they don't have to be Catholic, you know, and, and it works. You can understand your body, you know, no side effects. And so to me, it's, it's a win-win. It just takes a little bit more work than going through the barrios with injectable contraceptives and chemically castrating and sterilizing people and telling them, oh, well, this will be good for you. I met a woman in from Kenya and she told me, she said he, she hates contraception because she said, I remember as a little girl, these people would come to our villages in Kenya from like American pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, oh, well, this is a vitamin that we can give you in a shop and it'll help you so that you don't have too many kids. And they're like, oh, great. And they're like chemically sterilizing these women and they have no idea they think they're getting like some vitamins. And so she, she said, some of the women would get really sick from this and would start to die and then they would die. And like the tribes chief or whatever the village thought that they were cursed. So they sent these women outside of the walls of the village to die in the wilderness like the other ones had died inside because they didn't want the curse to get passed down. It's like, dude, this is not a a curse, you know, from Mm -hmm. some voodoo witchcraft stuff. This is the pharmaceutical companies using women in developing nations as guinea pigs for our little experiments. And this is and this is a multi-billion dollar mm. program by some of the elites over here in America, where there's Bill Gates Foundation mm. behind the population control business, multi-billion dollar stuff. But you know, they're they're I don't think their end game is mm. the best interest of the Philippines because the children are the future. You mentioned some developing countries, especially in Europe, who have low population now and so low to to support the social security of the mm-hmm. previous generation. And it actually opened up jobs for us Filipinos to head there and yeah. migrate to Europe. We're actually saving the, the other countries because of our population. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. look at France. France is gonna be Muslim within a generation because mm. nobody else is having kids over there. Mm. Only those who practice Islam. And so they don't have to convert anybody. They're just all gonna die out because they aren't having any children. Muslims having four or five kids a family, it's like, well, psh, you know, you just do the math where things are going to be at in a generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me tell you the story. My child in high school who is doing online classes has this question on her comprehensive sex education module. So the question mm-hmm. goes like this. It can prevent the spread of STDs and AIDS. A, balloon. B, face mask. C, condom so the the correct answer is c but it's not condom it's chastity so so what's chastity jason can you tell us about it yes no that's the the correct answer chastity is what can prevent the spread the other stuff might reduce the risk to one single exposure but like if it's reducing the risk by 50 percent, okay that might work for the first time Mm. it's like flipping a coin how many times can you flip that coin before it's going to land on heads it's just a matter of time and Mm. so uh, Mm. what what chastity is is a virtue like courage or honesty that applies to our sexuality and it's it's not the elimination of our sexual desires or attractions it's ordering those desires 
according to the demands of real love. And so it's a virtue we have to practice, whether you're married, you're single, mm. you're a priest, religious, wherever, about sexual self-control and sexual honesty. And so what that means is, well, what, what's sex? Sex is your wedding vows made flesh. And so when you get married, you promise, I'll give myself to you freely, totally, faithfully to you, and we'll welcome children. Okay, that's the wedding vows. So what sexual intimacy is just saying those wedding vows with their body. I give myself completely to you. I am entirely yours. Why, when a, And that's why when a married couple makes love, they speak the wedding vows through their bodies. Whereas if I'm sleeping with someone who's not my spouse, it's a lie in a language of the body. Now, chastity is different than celibacy. Celibacy mm. means state of not being married. Mm. It's different than abstinence. Abstinence just means no sex. Mm. And so if you told me somebody was abstinent, that doesn't really tell you much about that person. Mm. I mean, maybe they have a lot of self-control. Maybe they can't find a date. Maybe mm. they're dead. Like, so it really doesn't tell you anything. Chastity isn't the absence of sex. Mm. It's the presence of that virtue of purity of heart. Mm. Because the world these days, Jason, it's teaching us sex positivity, the quote-unquote sex positivity with Cardi B performing the Grammys. Uh, they're advertising sex as something you won't be able to live without. It's healthy to have sex even if you're single. Masturbation relaxes. It releases endorphins. These are the messages you hear from the world. So they say all sex is good. The only sex that are bad are those without consent and mm -hmm. those that you don't enjoy. Their message is if you suppress your sexual desires, this is what they say. If you suppress their sec your sexual desires, bad things happen to you. So how true is that? That's completely true. If you repress your sexual desires, bad things will happen to you. It's neurotic, it's unhealthy, but what they're coming at this from is that there's only two options. Either indulge your desires and make yourself happy or repress your desires and be miserable. Okay, well, are those really only my two options, right? The, the church's position is not of repression, of denial, of suppression, of just like, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. Like kind of this white knuckling, sex is bad, sex is dirty. That neurotic attitude toward the beautiful gift of human sexuality is not healthy, and you're not going to be able to sustain that. Hmm. And so repression does not make you holy, and indulgence does not make you joyful. It's this idea that, oh, if I just give in to my hormones the drop of a hat, then I'm going to be liberated and sexually free. No, you could end up sexually addicted and have herpes, not even know the difference between love and lust. That's not freedom. That's just you're a different kind of slavery. And so between these two polar extremes of unhealthy indulgence and repression is the virtue of chastity which is an integration of those sexual appetites, but then you are not the, you're not mastered by your hormones, you're the master of them. You have control over your body instead of your body controlling you. And so, yeah, will sexual activity release endorphins and chemicals and this and that? Well, well, yeah, but I mean, does that make an act good? Because I mean, you could sexually assault somebody and experience a lot of endorphins too. Does that make it good because you had some endorphins? Well, well no. We've got to be able to realize that sex is not simply a biological act. It's a human act. It involves your heart, your soul, your mind, the body, the families, your future vocation. And to mm -hmm. give a bunch of kids plastic and say, now you're safe and responsible. It's just a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. In my experience, Jason, in hindsight, I'm not a very chaste boy in my youth. Mm -hmm. So I am thinking, would I be able to live a chaste life back then? Because I'm thinking, I was I able to practice chastity now because my raging hormones declined? Or was I able to practice self-control more? Because I, I'm doing Exodus 90. I, I do the asceticism and all. I, I guess my question is, I'm at my 40s. It's easier for me to have self-control. Is it harder for someone young to control himself? What, what can he do? What can we teach him? Well, there are plenty of 40-year-olds who have absolutely no self-control because mm. they haven't used an act of the will motivated by love to, to free themselves up. They're still addicted to pornography. They're going to brothels. They're using prostitutes. Mm. They're going to strip clubs. They're 40 years old. They're complete sex addicts. And they say, oh, it's so hard. I've been hooked on this for so long. How do I start over? And I mean, you kind of feel bad for it's like, maybe they never had a good example of manhood in their life. Maybe all the men that they grew up around were like the machismo type that mm. you become a man by conquering a woman for the sake of yourself. 
instead of a real man, which conquers himself for the sake of the woman. And so to the young man, I would say, you know, St. Paul speaks that young man in the book of Timothy, and that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and self-control. Set an example for all the believers by your faith and your purity. And so he's calling this young man like you are capable of heroic virtue. Because look, it doesn't matter what AIDS you are. You look at the book of Pro the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, the story of Susanna. These old creepy guys try to seduce this woman to sleep with her, and she won't, and she screams, and then they blame her like, no, you're, you're the one who tried. I, we saw you with this young guy, and we caught her and cut her head off, and they have this big trial. And, you know, the Holy Spirit stirs up Daniel, and he comes and says, separate these two guys so I can judge them. And they're like, oh, well, who's given you the crown of wisdom in your young age? And, and so he separates them and he asks them, like, who did, who did you see them with under the tree? Oh, we saw them under the oak tree. Okay, your fine lie has cost you your head. And he says, offspring of Canaan, not of Judah. You know, how, how beauty has seduced you, has perverted your eyes. And, and he says, the other guy, where'd you see him? And they end up killing both of these guys, vindicating this woman's purity. And who's the hero? It's the young Daniel. Mm. And, and, and who are the creeps? It's the old guys. And so it's not that, you know, you progress in purity as you get older. I mean, it would be nice if it worked that way. But I think the reason you're finding it easier is because if you have two magnets and they're really close together, mm. that first separation is the hardest time. Mm. But then as you move them further apart, it's like, okay, this is doable. It's like an alcoholic. His first couple of weeks away from the bottle, it's going to be hard to drive by a liquor store and not pull over. But, but it's been a couple of months and years. And he's gone to some, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. He's like, yeah, I can drive by an, a liquor store and not only drive by, but I can stop by and get a glass of wine or whatever. It's okay. I don't need to indulge anymore and get drunk. And so, yeah, it is possible. And what I would tell the guys lastly also is that like, your body will always do exactly what it tell you to. And you think, well, I don't know, man, even the moment, all these desires. And I just say, look, imagine as a guy, if you're sitting at school, at the university or whatever, and you're on your phone and you don't think anyone's around you and you start looking at bad images on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, Snapchat. And then out of the corner of your eye, you notice this girl's that about to walk behind you. And she's that girl you've had your eye on all year hmm. and you've wanted to impress her and get to meet her. And she's about to walk by and you're looking at oh. porn on your phone. Huh. What would you do? Would you be like, oh no, the desire to look at porn is too strong. I can't stop looking. No, right away. You'd be like, oh, I'm studying astrophysics so I can become a doctor. <laughs> like just like that, your body would do. Why? How did you get that desire? Because you need to fight desire with a stronger desire. Uh -huh. What's the stronger desire than lust? It's love. So do this for love of your future wife, for love of your future kids, to be the man that they deserve for you to be. That's a good message, Jason. <laughs> One final question. I, I started my podcast last 2019, and at first I was I just want to talk about anything under the sun. And I noticed that during those times, there are no podcasts in the Philippines that are conservative. Most podcasts in the rankings are this smutty type about porn, the hookup culture. Although there are more Catholic podcasts now, like our friend Bernd Skasi, who is doing a wonderful job in unboxing Catholicism. I feel there's a lot of work to be done. How do we win back the youth, many of which appears to be like one already by the other side? So as a speaker who works closely with the youth, can you give us some tips? Yeah, well, we, we know who wins in the end, you know, because we're Christians and we know who wins in the end. But we also have this secret weapon called truth mm. uh, because their minds are made for the truth. Their heart is made for love and chastity offers them both. Because as much as they might binge on Cardi B and internet porn and hook up and dating apps, is that really going to satisfy them in the end? No, it's like surviving on a diet of like cotton candy. You know, and they think, oh, well, this is so fulfilling. Well, yeah, but it might feel good in the moment, but that doesn't mean you feel good about yourself tomorrow morning. And so it's never going to satisfy that. And so as far as the pendulum swings in the wrong direction, gravity is going to pull that back. And so we've had our own sexual revolution here in the United States from like the 1960s and on. But sexual activity rates among American high school students has been going down consistently for 30 years in a row. 
Most American high school students are virgins. 70% of high school students who have had sex admit they wish they waited longer. Mm. So lots of people are starting over. So that's one of the benefits you have of being in a sense on the right side of history Mm -hmm. that although culture might get crazy, we might even forget what marriage is and what man and woman even means, what it even means to be human. You know, God has created us in his image and likeness, which is love. That's why nothing else is gonna satisfy. And so lust isn't just how we shouldn't behave, it isn't who we are. And so that that lust, which is the reduction of another human being to their sexual value, that's not gonna satisfy. Because what do guys really want? I mean, at the end of the day, do you really just want porn? Like, you know, having some erotic moment with your laptop by yourself Mm -hmm. in your basement as a 30 year old guy? Like, is that really what you're shooting for? No, you, you want intimacy with a real woman. You want a fulfilling love. You want to leave a legacy for your children. You want something bigger than a porn app. And so if we're going to find that, we got to live it out in our own lives. And so within our own vocations, that's the place to start. We need holy families because the holy family is how God brought redemption to the world 2,000 years ago. And that's how he wants to continue his work of redemption. Nice. The re- reproductive health law is already there. It's already here in the Philippines. It's a it's one of the first few laws we have that defied the mostly Catholic identity of the country. We don't have divorce, we don't have abortion, we don't have same-sex marriage or trans-affirming procedures. But if we we're, if you're not careful, the dominoes could easily fall on the wrong direction. So either you choose contraception or chastity. So hey, Jason, time flies. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for responding to our email. No, I'm, I'm happy to be on the show. And if anyone wants to connect with our work or with the videos we put on YouTube, our podcast, mm-hmm. our different resources, our social media accounts, everything is just at chastity.com. Okay. Uh, do you have a social media account that you... Yeah, we've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's pretty much all those slash Jason Everett. So Instagram slash Jason Everett, Twitter.com slash Jason Everett, um, and YouTube.com slash Jason Everett. Nice. But you can get all that at chastity.com. Just hit the social media buttons. I, I like chastity.com. You're, 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 you, you have a lot of articles there, scholarly written. Everything you said are mostly there. You could just search. Yeah, we encourage it. Please go go check out the stuff. Click on birth control. Click on overpopulation. Yeah, yeah. Click on the pill. Do the research. Do the homework and share these with people who need the message. Yeah, yeah. I would also like to promote our partner here in the podcast, Dumb Ox Books, who has one of your books, If You Really Loved Me. So check out Dumb Ox Books for that. So Jason, the chastity guy, thanks for being here. And thanks uh-huh. for being a blessing. Hope to see you when you go back to the Philippines and everything goes back to normal. Thanks for having me on, Jay. Look forward to getting out there again, God willing. All right. This has been another episode of the Jay Arugas Show. At the end of the day, it will be nice. Goodbye.